Hello, this is Trevor Smith welcoming you to the November edition of Audio Mission from the Church Mission Society, CMS. The issues of migration and the refugee crisis have scarcely been out of the news these last few months. This time on Audio Mission, we'll hear three different perspectives on these issues from a variety of places around the Mediterranean. First, we speak to Doug Marshall in the refugee hotspot of Malta. He and his wife Jackie are CMS mission partners working with refugees there, and Sarah Holmes found out more. We're seconded to the International Association for Refugees, and so we're the team leaders uh, in Malta for that organisation. And that organisation is a faith-based organisation and seeking to help refugees recover their lives uh, through direct assistance, uh, through advocacy, but on a very much a personal level, just to be a person to another person, as it were. We've typically seen uh, in Malta over the last 10 to 15 years a number of asylum seekers arrive. This has mainly been by boat, um, and this has been well documented. A lot of the people arriving, their goal is not to get to Malta, but to get to mainland Europe, so Italy, uh, specifically through the central Mediterranean route. They arrive in Malta because they've, their boats have uh, become distressed. Either the, they've run out of fuel, the engines have failed, or they're taking on water. Uh, and so they were rescued and disembarked in Malta. Typically, we'd see 1,800 people a year arrive in that manner. The last two years have seen much lower numbers due to the success of the Mare Nostrum operation in the Mediterranean, which saw most people rescued being disembarked in Italy. And where are you meeting the migrants? So where, where are the refugees living in Malta? Um, uh, varied. Most people are in open communities, uh, in regular communities, renting homes and, and finding work and working. Um, there are open centres which people are placed in once they are released from detention. Uh, so an open centre, if you are approved, you can go in and visit them. They are free to come and go as they like, but we would like to help bridge them between the open centre and moving into community. That sometimes requires funding, and there are organisations and church-based organisations that are doing that. For example, Malta Microfinance, as part of St. Andrew's Scots Church in Valletta, they do that. So I meet them in the open centres, I meet them on the bus, at the bus stops, uh, friends of friends, anywhere and everywhere, really. It's just being available and ready to, to meet people and um, just by showing them that dignity that they are acknowledged, uh, which is not often something they find. They are looked down upon, they are ignored, but to just offer that person that dignity, say, I respect you because you are a human being like me, uh, that goes a great way to, to opening doors and conversations and to help people whichever way they need help. What's the scale and what sort of problems have they left behind? Um, numerous problems. Uh, typically you'll have a number of people who've fled oppressive regimes. They're Eritreans, for example. And if you research into that, you'll see very clearly why people would leave. Uh, Somalis have often left, often to the, for the similar reason. Uh, Al-Shabaab has been extremely harsh towards uh, the people it's encountered. Um, often you'll find threats, direct threats to people's lives in that case. Others leave for economic reasons and it's not necessarily just for better having a better economy in Europe. It's for the actual 
opportunity to prosper from nothing. People are struggling to put food on the table. It's not a case of I just want a better lifestyle. It's actually an issue of survival. So it's very broad. People who've come through the Sahara, through Libya and onto a boat and have arrived in Europe, whatever initially displaced them, that journey alone has made them vulnerable and at risk. Uh, and oftentimes they need uh, counseling and support to overcome what they experienced on that journey. I've met a, a Christian man from a very strong Islamic country where he was basically threatened with his life for leaving the faith. Um, as a man who had to move away from everything he knew uh, and seek refuge, and that's what he's done. And so despite Malta being a more difficult place to live, uh, he tells me that at least it is safe for him there. Uh, that is something I think we don't understand in the West because we have freedoms to believe uh, and follow a faith that we choose or are drawn to. Uh, we don't understand what it means to move away from something and be threatened with your life for having done so. On top of that, it's a removal from all that's familiar, uh, including your family, um, but uh, your culture, your what you understand. Uh, there are others who, through, you would say natural causes, but just through the nature of life and loss uh, of loved ones, have found themselves in very difficult predicaments. And they're having to make a go of they're pulling on everything they can and if you end up in Malta that is seen as at least something positive better than what you were doing where you were uh, families often send their, their eldest or brightest or best children to Europe so they can get a job so they can send their remittances home so that family can survive and failure to do so is not just shame but it literally means people don't have money to live. So it's, it's a great predicament and a very complex situation that we're looking at. It's, it's so often people paint it as uh, these people just want a better lifestyle. Uh, and it's no, it's, it's, this is survival. It, it's not a lifestyle choice. It's, it's survival. Do you think it, the, meeting these people um, for you and your family, do you think it's kind of strengthened your faith or made, question the way you think about things the reality of your faith comes out in the practice of it and yes it makes you question a lot of things uh, especially if you have a lot of theory and you arrive and oh that theory doesn't apply what does apply what do I do now so it galvanizes your faith it, it like I said strips it back but at the same time it strips it back to its beautiful core what does it mean to interact with this person who has no clue uh, about the life and the place he's come to, you know, and what does it mean to be Christ to someone else? Uh, that's that's very challenging, yes, but it it galvanizes and it makes more beautiful that faith you have. As the church and as a global body of a large number of people, we have a responsibility to be Christ. We have a responsibility to to follow what's been given us in the Word of God, and that is to look after the alien and the stranger to love them as we would love anyone and treat someone as our of our own uh, and that's a challenge to the church and god doesn't joke around if he has given us that to do we should do it and he will sustain us in that well, the message i'd really like to get across is that for the person who's sitting in the pew in the church on sunday morning maybe they're not called to a cross-cultural mission in another country but in the UK, we now have th this issue uh, in Calais and in Folkestone. We have this issue. 
what what do we do? Every person can make a difference. Uh, maybe your role is to give financially to CMS, to the church, to a charity, to someone who is engaged in this work. And sometimes it does require training to engage properly in this work. But a lot of it is not rocket science. It's just being another human being, loving and sharing with another human being. And that's what we're called to do. So people across the board can be involved in small ways, in big ways, uh, in ways they may think are small but could mean all the difference to this other person who is in a foreign land and doesn't know anything. So we must never underestimate what we can achieve individually but as a group as well. Do pray for all in the desperate situations that Doug has described and for Doug and Jackie as they seek to serve them. If you feel you'd like to donate, as Doug suggested, Work With Refugees is featured in the current CMS Appeal. Just go to our website, www.cms-uk.org, to find out more. Based in northeast Spain, Chris and Veronica are working with an agency that supports Arab Christians to reach out to their neighbours throughout North Africa. Chris told Sarah Holmes about the work and their efforts to build bridges locally in Spain with North African immigrants. One of the things that I've done that uh, hasn't been available before is that because the leader of the church is not based in the town, I said to him that actually I'm happy to come and help out and I can open up the church twice a week on a Tuesday and on a Thursday and this is to reach out to the Arab Muslim people around the church. One person uh, in particular... Um, where I built up a friendship with him. He always seen me outside and we used to greet uh, one another as he walked past. And then uh, one day he actually, uh, as we greeted, he stopped and started talking to him. And then uh, uh, we started talking about God uh, very shortly afterwards. And uh, we had questions and I invited him to come to the church uh, on one of the days during the week when I open up the church and uh, we can talk about it further. And so he did come and we went into the church, right into the church with the Bible and the Quran and we had an amazing conversation about uh, God uh, from a Christian point of view and from an Islamic point of view and I remember sitting there thinking wow I, I can't believe it. this is actually a Muslim person over here that would ordinarily not come to church not walk through the doors but because of that friendship and connection we sat on there right there uh, actually right next to the pulpit and we had this amazing conversation Can I just ask about your charity that you also work it was actually set up about 10 years ago by a couple from New Zealand uh, from CMS New Zealand and uh, uh, they had lived in the Arab world uh, for a few years and uh, during that time that they realized that um, actually within the Arab Christian community there was no real sense of evangelism and so they really felt called by God to start a sort of a mission agency there which uh, sends Arab Christians and encourages them and supports them to share the gospel in their communities across the Arab world. And so it has as its focus supporting Arab Christian families based in different countries to share the gospel uh, in their communities. And so uh, that's how it uh, kind of operates as a mini CMS uh, in what they do. And so we really come alongside them. And so this is, involves travel out to the Middle East. I travel out there and to go and stay with the families and just to uh, experience uh, life or some of what life is like for them as, as they live out their faith in their community. Can you give us a picture of what it's like when you travel to countries? 
just in terms of the Arab Christian families that live there, the atmosphere is very tense. They do have to be cautious, and, and, and me living with them, I see the way they act. They have to be very cautious in, in how they share their faith, in what they do, because they are generally a, a, a target um, uh, for uh, a radical or extremists over there. So uh, having said that, physically uh, it is uh, difficult the atmosphere is very tense but spiritually God is doing amazing things and and transforming lives and there's so many people's lives that's being touched in the middle of 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 this uh, persecution you think people are open to the gospel because are they um, fed up with their own religion I I don't know (laughs) Well, actually, that's that's very interesting because what has happened—the feedback from the, from the native Arab Christians there, the people on the ground—and I've seen the evidence of this—is that ever since the Arab uprising, the Arab Spring has started, there's been a spirit of fear that's been broken. So as each dictatorship has fallen. Uh, a spirit of fear has been broken where people all these years uh, under dictatorship they couldn't question their faith at all so a lot of people have now started questioning their faith and that uh, fear has been broken where they're feeling uh, more at liberty to actually stand up and to ask questions about their faith and uh, the evidence that I've seen of that is that uh, uh, recently there's been a, a television program, a secular channel on the Middle East that actually interviewed uh, a, a Muslim person that has left uh, Islam and uh, this person actually shared that, no, um, uh, I don't believe in this, this is not actually true um, and that uh, this person was not really a true prophet, it cannot be. and. Uh, that would be unthinkable just a few years before to actually have someone uh, in the Middle East on national television being interviewed to say things like that. Now that's happened twice within six months and it's been all over the Arab news. And so the evidence is there that uh, there's that fear that's been broken where people feel this freedom now to ask more questions about their faith. Please pray for Chris and Veronica in their dual ministry of local outreach and supporting believers in North Africa and especially pray for safety on Chris's travels and for those local believers taking great risks to share their faith. Our final destination this month is Egypt, where we hear from Ardal and Claire Shakrala about two families from the Cairo Church who've been inspired into different expressions of mission activity alongside refugees and displaced people. The first were themselves refugees from Syria, as Claire explained to Naomi Rose Steinberg. Roughly about the same time that we arrived in the church, um, we discovered that there was a family that had arrived from Syria, um, a mum and dad and three children. They'd arrived under quite traumatic circumstances, so they'd had to leave their house um, because of the bombing around them. They'd had to jump into a car and pack as much as they could in and and just go, just leave. So... um, they arrived quite traumatised, um, but we had found their way to the Anglican Church and the community there. And as we heard their story and we heard what was on their heart, and it became clear that they, although they'd had to escape, and it was quite unex- unexpected, that they somehow felt that they wanted to do something, and to do something positive um, from that situation, and they... They had a heart, of course, for Syrian people, um, people that had been in a similar situation to them and that had come to Egypt. And then Ardul began to speak with them about um, 
ministry and, and, and different ways in which that could be possible? Yeah, I think this story is a good example of uh, one vision, different expressions, because they have all their heart is for the Syrian people. He's a, an Egyptian uh, husband and a Syrian wife, but they lived and they minister in Syria. So when they came to Egypt, they found us as a community. But still, their expression as a Christian missional community will go towards the Syrian if you let them do really what they want. So this was a challenge, uh, how to be one community but different expressions. It's not a, a conformity. Everyone has to do the same things. So this is where this starts. So we started the dialogue. We start to talk to them. And uh, in our area, they tried to minister for the Syrian, but wasn't a lot of Syrian refugee around us. So... Uh, talking introducing them to the diocese and we start to have a dialogue with the diocese and uh, they end with uh, the other end of Cairo so we are in the east Cairo they end uh, west Cairo in an area where a lot of refugee Syrian refugees and they start to become he become a manager of a, of a rehabilitation center there where he can have a lot multi-purpose rooms to to teach the, the, the Syrian children, to host the moms, Syrian moms, to give whatever possible help for the Syrian people there. Uh, they still consider us their church, even if it's far away to come. They took every opportunity to come to us, and we consider them part of our church. So this is a, a good example of how we imagined Christian missional community could be. Yes, yeah, so you told a great story about... Um people who felt directed towards Iraq. This couple is uh, significant because it's still going on and it's unfolded uh, the story at the moment. Uh, but uh, it started there. I mean, they joined uh, our community. They were studying uh, theology at that time and uh, we, I met them and then they started come attending our church. But they are v- have a big zeal for mission and uh, especially mission cross-border. So to cross the border and to carry the gospel across the border, this is not something uh, famous among Egyptians. We are not a traveler people, but uh, this is the zeal. So when someone have a zeal like that in your community, you know soon they will fly and they will not be in the geographical area. So through the preaching and the encouraging of the missional dimension of the community, they came one day and they said, we... uh, really feel uh, going to Iraq and uh, it was a very uh, tough time and uh, I remember ISIS were were about to go to Arpil and a lot of news about these things and they said we wanted to go to Arpil where a lot of refugee camps and uh, Yazidi camps for specific and work among them and just uh, yeah chat and see what happened and uh, I uh, I wasn't a quick respond yes, but uh, they kind of encouraged me and they went for 10 days and they came with a lot of stories of people knowing Christ. Uh, they spent like uh, overnight with, uh, with one family who were very hungry to know about the Bible and about Christ and uh, a lot of good stories about that and uh, they said it's a huge need there 
and nobody aware uh, of this need and now we are aware of this need so they uh, give them the space to tell the community about these stories inflamed the missional attitude of the community and then they decided later to uh, we have to go so now they are in a process of preparing themselves to go for a year to start something in in Arbil and I'm sure they will uh, they will do a great thing there and uh, it's a nice story show it's a risky when you teach and talk about mission please continue to pray for that couple seeking to serve in Iraq and indeed for more of that risky mission bearing fruit in Ardell and Clare's new assignment in the parish of Old Windsor in Berkshire, where Ardell was recently installed as the new vicar. Now with a short reflection on what we've heard, here's Jeremy Woodham, Communications Manager at CMS. The pictures of refugees across the media in recent months have been painful to see. Almost as painful have been some of the headlines. It has been good to see compassion finally breaking through as mission partner Doug Marshall urged this month. Of course, it's important to separate out refugees from the wider discussion about migration. Solutions, both to the refugee crisis and to the ever-increasing flow of people around the world, are hard to find, if not impossible. But we must pray for increased international cooperation to help those in desperate need root out the traffickers and treat all with justice and mercy. But as Christians, we count ourselves as permanent migrants. As the writer to the Hebrews says, strangers and foreigners on the earth, people seeking a homeland. Abraham, presumably, was an economic migrant. When God told him to get up and go, he had already travelled with his father from Ur to settle in Haran. So surely we must look at the big picture of migration too, and be encouraged that it is so often people on the move whom God uses to spread the good news of his kingdom. I want to finish with a quote from Philip Mount Stephen, our executive leader. I'm sure that refugee, migrant and diaspora communities are of immense importance for mission, not just as the recipients of mission, but as a resource for mission. I am convinced that the re-evangelisation of Europe will only come about through the release of the gifts of the global church back into this continent. And we all have our part to play in that process. Jeremy Woodham bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Thank you for listening and thank you for your prayers.